Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast, where we will discuss with industry experts on how to create wealth and build passive income from apartment buildings, self-storage, mobile home parks, and much more. Here is your host, Jonathan Way. Welcome to the Building Wealth Through Commercial Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Way, and I'm the founder of Grayson Capital Group, my investment firm. If you're interested in passively investing with us, please visit graystonecapgroup.com and join our investor network. Okay, and now on to the show. Uh, hi, Art. Nice to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah. Hi, Jonathan. Great to be here. Pleasure to meet you. Look forward to having a chat about real estate and multifamily investing. Great. Awesome. So tell us a little about your background and how you um, began in real estate investing and how you got into your journey to multifamily. Yes. So uh, I've been in real estate a long time. Uh, when I got out of grad school, I returned to the San Francisco Peninsula, Silicon Valley, where basically I spent most of my life. Went to work for my father in a residential brokerage business in Menlo Park, California. And he mentored me in the brokerage business. But even more importantly, he mentored me into the investment business. He understood the brokerage income is great, but to really create financial freedom and long-term wealth, investing was the key. The brokerage generated the cash to invest, but ultimately it was the investing that led to you know, wealth and financial freedom. So sold houses on the peninsula for 35 years. Uh, invested in single family rentals, both in the San Francisco Bay Area and elsewhere in the country, particularly the Austin area of Texas. And in 2014, left Silicon Valley, moved to Greenville, South Carolina. And within the last couple of years, I've transitioned into multifamily investing. And that's where my focus is today. Okay. And how did you um, get into multi? Did someone recommend you to come in on a deal? Or how did you get into that area? Yes, good question. So um, over the years, I had accumulated, uh, you know, smaller duplexes, four units and so forth like that. And I happened to befriend a young multifamily investor here in Greenville. And we had a conversation right when COVID broke out in March of 2020 called me up on the phone and kind of said, uh, Arn, what do you think COVID's going to do to rent collection? And so I told him, well, let's talk April 5th and I'll let you know, you know, after my April rents come in. And uh, he had been doing multifamily investing and we've kind of supported each other. He sent me a podcast after the phone call and I listened to that and kind of things just clicked into place. Two or three months later, I just consumed three or four hours of podcasts a day about multifamily and shortly thereafter decided to make the transition. Okay, great. Yeah, you look one of the um, very similar where people listen and they get passionate. They learn about people's few stories and you get, you know, I, I, I want to do that as well. So that's great. Yes. That's great. That's great. And, and talk about your little investment philosophy. How do you, what's your philosophy in investing? Well, I may be a little different than many investors, particularly multifamily investors. Um, there's certainly a school of thought that says cash flow is king, and certainly cash flow is important. But I'd also submit, depending on where an individual is at in their life, in their career, that building that capital 
net worth, that capital nest egg is all and also important. So I tend to look a little bit more towards total return, growing my capital and equity rather than cash flow. Certainly both are important, but I would just submit people consider if you're in your 30s and you have a full-time W-2 job, you're making good income, what you're really looking about is what your life is 10 to 15 years from now. And ultimately, your cash flow is going to be a function of the size of your equity. And so perhaps focusing on growing equity early in your investing career, and then as time goes on, tip the scales more towards cash flow may make sense. So that's kind of how I've done it. Um, and maybe not for everyone, but that's how I've done it. Okay, great. That's great. Very interesting. And um, so what kind of, when you look at multifamily, what kind of deals are you looking at? Your class C, class B, class A, what's your criteria? Good question. So I'm located in Greenville, South Carolina, which is basically between Atlanta and Charlotte, 90 minutes from one, two hours from the other. It's kind of a very good growth market. I consider it a tertiary market. So most of my investing is in the Carolinas, specifically the Greenville area. And then I also really like the triad in North Carolina, which is Greensboro, Winston-Salem, High, High Point. It's not quite as competitive as Charlotte and Raleigh-Durham. And so I think a smaller sales, smaller scale syndicator like me has a little bit more chance to acquire good assets. I would say I typically like infill assets close to downtown, some kind of retail, some kind of community center, as opposed to being way out in, for lack of a better word, say the boonies or in the podunk uh, areas. I like to be closer to the metropolitan areas. There's a little bit more economic vitality, a little bit greater chance to increase rent significantly and therefore value. In terms of the property type, to date, I've kind of done between 30 and 50 units, some syndications, some joint ventures. And I typically like solid class B or good class C, but I kind of stay away from heavy lift value add class C product. You have difficulty collecting the rent with a certain tenant demographic and with supply chain issues and the cost of construction going through the roof. In my mind, a heavy value add type project isn't worth the trouble. Buy a good solid property, improve it by management, do reasonably cost interior improvements, increase rents, have a good solid tenant demographic, and then just let time kind of win the day for you. Exactly. That's a really good, that's a really good recipe. I like that. That's really good. Because heavy value could be very problematic. Okay. Yes, we've seen people get caught and, uh, you know, high vacancy, unexpected expenses, and all of a sudden the business plan kind of falls apart. And I think one of the nice things about real estate investment is if done right, it's fairly conservative and safe, but still produces good returns. So in my mind, the way I always describe it is I aim to hit kind of line drive base hits after base hit after base hit after base hit. If you do that 5, 10, 15 years, you're going to win. 
So I don't tend to swing for the fences, look for the home run, look for the grand slam. I just like kind of nice, steady growth and improvement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, great, great. So let's talk about in, um, I guess, uh, asset management. How, who do you choose and how do you select a good you know, property manager and all that? That's question number 101. As you know, most real estate investments hinge on the skill and professionalism of the property manager. I would say it's one of the key ingredients to a successful investment and so forth. So in, in my area in Greenville, South Carolina, I partner with a person who has done property management for 15, 20 years. So him and I are the two lead guys. I'm kind of the acquisition, the financing, the investor relations. He takes care of the asset. He takes care of the property management, runs the construction crews. So we're a good team. I'm no good at any of that. And until I found him and we came together, uh, it was hard to pursue deals. But now that we formed this partnership, I think we've got most of it covered. And I think that also maybe speaks to, to a certain degree, finding the right property manager is somewhat trial and error, right? Mm -hmm. You kind of got to buy a property and you'll interview some property managers and they'll all say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do a great job. The proof is in the pudding. So I think as a syndicator, as you specialize in a certain area and start to own three or four assets in the same market, you then develop those relationships and you found that property manager that's going to make that deal sing. And so now when you find your next acquisition, you've already got that question solved. You bring him on and it's or her on and it's kind of seamless. So to some degree, it's a little trial and error, but over time you find the right people and then you just work with them. Great, great. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. That's great. Yeah, I think that's 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 exactly what you're saying. Okay, great. Um, so uh so how about raising capital? What are your what are your tips in raising capital? Well, I would say uh I had the good fortune to sell real estate in Silicon Valley for 35 years, and many of those people are heavily invested in the stock market. And I simply talk to them about, hey, maybe a little diversification is going to be a good idea. You know, I'm not saying mm -hmm. liquidate your stock portfolio and all go to real estate, but maybe allocate 10, 15, 20% of your stock portfolio into real estate. And mm -hmm. I think that logic makes sense. So I have kind of a good built-in database. And then ultimately, the investors need to trust you. At yes. some level, there's just that emotional trust factor. Certainly, you verify track record and you see past performance and you evaluate where they're active and where they know the market. But I think kind of ultimately, you're going to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Yes. And in that one-on-one -on -one conversation, either the operator is going to say things that make sense to you mm -hmm. or he's going to say things or she's going to say things that maybe set off a little alarm that don't quite sound right. So I think to some degree, you kind of got to rely on your life experience, evaluate. So trust, I think, is a big thing because basically we're asking investors to invest their hard-earned cash with us 
and kind of giving us control in return for not having to deal with tenants and all the hassles that come with property. Um, The one thing I would suggest with passive investors is you don't have to go all in on your first deal. Mm -hmm. So invest a little bit of your money with one or two, three different operators and markets you like, see how they perform. And I bet you'll find one or two that you really, really like, and maybe one that you're not quite as happy with. And then once that operator's kind of proven to you, they know the market, they know how to get the deal done. Now it's easy to invest two, three, four times with them. And so I think that's how the business kind of involves spread the assets around a little bit, see how people perform and then invest more as time goes on. Yeah. So first you do a minimum like 50,000 and then later on you do a hundred thousand. You should trust if they did well and successful, then, oh, he can, then he, then if you come to, you can rest more money with them. Yeah, yeah. Don't put all your chips in on the first deal with somebody you met through a month ago, you know, no, yes. don't do that. Go slow. There's always going to be another good deal. And so just kind of spread your chips around and see how people perform. Great. Awesome. Awesome. That's a wonderful, wonderful advice. So what would you, um, what is the one thing that you learned maybe through a, a difficult time or you, or you didn't, didn't expect it to go well? Uh, tell us about that, that kind of share kind of story that how did you learn from that experience? Well, sure. So I'm not proud of this, but uh, if people would go back to 2004, five and six, the real estate market was on fire, and especially in the San Francisco Bay Area, in Silicon Valley. And so my brokerage income was exploding, and I had four or five great years together. So I always had kind of a dream to retire to Hawaii. So yes. I uh, contracted for a new condominium to be built. On the, big, on the big island of Hawaii. So I contracted summer of 2006, market's crazy. By the time it was done, it was December, 2007. And so I ended up closing, everything was great. And then of course the great recession hit, the subprime crisis hit and my income dropped, tourism dropped, values dropped. And so I got myself in a difficult situation. I ended up working my way out of it, but it frankly cost me about $100,000. And so the mistake was I kind of got over leveraged at an inopportune time, which of course, I think in real estate, properly capitalized, properly leveraged, know that there will be a downturn And so just set yourself up to be able to ride through that downturn because anybody who held onto their property in 2008, today it's probably worth three times that, right? So if you could have just rode through that dip, you'd you'd be in great shape. So that was a worrying experience for me and, uh, it was painful, but you know, it is what it is and you learn from your lessons and you move on. Yes, yes, great. Well, thank you, Art. Thank you. How people reach out to you once to uh, get a hold of you? Yes. So the name of my company is Spark Investment Group. Uh, website is investwithspark.com. Quite active on Facebook and LinkedIn. So just reach out. Happy to have a conversation uh, and talk real estate. Awesome. Thank you very much, Art. Yes. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thanks for listening. 
For more information, you can find us online at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. See you again next time.